Good evening and welcome into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopto, C70. It's about at C70 on Twitter with me, as always, Alan Medlock. Red Dirt Redbird, A Medlock 1 on Twitter. It's been a little while since we fired up this machine, take the dust off of it to, to make sure we still know how to do this podcasting thing. Um, hope everybody has had a good holiday season. Um, and Alan and I, were we were talking before the show Baseball just kind of seems to be well in the back burner. And I think that's just a function, not only a function of the lockout, which we'll talk somewhat about, but Alan, this time of year, it's, I mean, it's really hard to get too fired up about baseball in general, just because, you know, even on a regular year, this is a really dead quiet time for baseball. There's not much going on. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I'm sure that there's enough, there's enough high profile deals that have happened in the past where you would think that, Oh, it's not always quiet over the holidays, but you, you know, for the most part, it's kind of the unofficial dead period, you know, for for MLB. You don't see a lot of stuff done. And, and it, it's you look no further than a lot of times this is when the, the main media members and the front offices will take their vacations. Yep. So that's yeah, it's, it's coinciding with what we thought and what we predicted on here to be a very long, cold, quiet winter. Um I'm sure a lot of our conversation tonight is going to be how long we think that's actually going to last. Yeah. And I mean, it could have been worse. I mean, the, the, the feeding, feeding frenzy that was right up until the deadline of the lockout um, was something that I don't think we really necessarily expected. So we did at least get some activity before everything went dark, but yeah, it's still kind of how long does this last? I mean, you and I were talking right before we started this, you know, and and other people have said this, it's not exactly, you know, revolutionary, but there's really no reason for them to do anything until, I mean, I'm, they haven't talked to each other recently, as far as I know of, and, and I don't know that they will until like late January, early February, when spring training is real close and, you know, there's some incentive there. Yeah, there's, <clears throat> there's no motivation for, for either side right now because there's no money lost. Um, the, the, I think there will be, I came into this thinking the less you, and I still pretty much believe this. If you're not hearing anything, I feel like that's a good sign because that means they're not negotiating in the public. They may not be negotiating at all. And by reports, that's probably the case because there's no motivation to do it right now. Um, I do feel like it's going to go a little further than I expected. And after looking into it, the reasons being, I think that the incentive for the owners to try to get something done by spring spring training is much more prevalent than the players because I'm not sure the players like being down there for the amount of time that they have to stay anyway. (laughs) If it cuts two weeks into that, I think that they're going to be pretty happy. Um, Ownership is the one that would lose money. So I feel like the players have the first bit of leverage on that. Now, whether they take advantage of it, you know, that's yet to be seen because I feel like in the, all the other, the, in the, in previous negotiations, the, the unions have been the, the one that takes it. And I hope that that's not the case, you know, with this, this, this round, but, uh, but yeah, I think that it, that's probably what we'll wait and see. And it will probably go late into January before we start hearing anything. If, if we start hearing anything before that, I'm sure it's probably going to be the, the arguing in public and that's never good. We saw that during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. When you, we kind of knew this was all coming when they had tr- almost trouble yeah. putting baseball together in the middle of a pandemic, and you know that's 
pretty ind- indicative ind- indicative of, of where they were um, as <laughs> yeah. a relationship. This quiet period has made me think that, well, maybe they learned a thing or two, but we know they didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it, it's it, maybe that, that they realize that's going to be the black eye, but I just, I don't, I'm not convinced that's going to happen. I mean, I feel yeah. like those reports are going to start coming out and there's going to be a lot of finger pointing pretty quickly. Yeah. It will be interesting that when we start seeing, you know, cause there are, there are players well, there are players that would be heading down to Jupiter probably like next week, yeah. right? Next week, two weeks from now, or definitely um, after winter warm-up, which we can talk about a little bit here in a minute, um, that won't be doing that this year. So, you know, what do they do? Do they Can they find, you know, other places to work out? And I'm sure they can. I'm sure they've got some places, but it's not necessarily the same as, as hitting in an open field or anything like that that they were doing in Jupiter. Um, but you're right. I mean, if I'm, if I'm right, um, you know, players don't get paid during spring training. So to miss spring training games, is not much skin off their nose, except for like the daily meal money. Um, but on the flip side of that, I don't know how much money the owners make in spring training games either. I mean, they make some, but I don't know that it's, you know, enough to push them off of their, um, place. So honestly, I would be very surprised if there's not at least some, spring training games lost out of this. I, I mean, what are your odds of you thinking that the season starts on time? You know, I, I'm, I'm probably overly optimistic, but I still think that it probably does start on time. Um, I think the, the one, I, I, some of those things that we've talked about, it's funny because we've talked about it due to pandemic reasons, but it's going to be more CBA mm-hmm. reasons. Of, I think that they're going to shorten spring training and that may be something that stays. Um, and I, I feel like the players probably want that. Um, but yeah, I'm still fairly optimistic that it starts on time just because I, I, I had no doubt that December would be just like this, that it would be very quiet, very cold and very long. I, I honestly thought there would be more leaks than there have been. And that's one reason I kind of take a little bit of positivity away from it. Um, and that, you know, it's small victories essentially, that we haven't heard a lot. Um, but to answer your question, I'm still, I'm still fairly confident that it'll start on time. Um, now in the back of my mind, I, I would, I, there's things that I want to see change and it's all pro player. I'm pro union. You know, it's, it's one of those that, that if they went out and there's some missed games, I can live with that. So, you know, I know I don't know if that's maybe talking out of both sides of my mouth. I'm not sure, but <laughs> but I'm still fairly confident that they're going to start on time. I, I I don't know. I'm still I don't think that I'm not really expecting a like a late season start or really miss a lot of things. But I could easily see them not coming to an agreement until like March first, which would then you know push opening day back like a couple of weeks or yeah. something like that. Um, I can see that. Um, I do feel somewhat optimistic, although maybe a little less. So like you said, we're not hearing anything, but a large part of that is because they're not talking to each other as far as we could tell. And, you know, I, I'd feel a little bit better if they were at least in the same room, you know, even if they weren't really necessarily making any progress. Um, about this getting done a little earlier, but I, I still feel like they'll probably miss some spring training and that might bump the season back a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how they try, if that happens, if it's like two weeks, how they try to make up for that. Do they, you know, short the all-star break again? Do they play some double headers? You know, who knows? I don't, I don't know. They'll figure it out. I'm sure. Cause they'll get their full season in if at all possible. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I there are a lot of issues that they need to adjust. It was, I saw something at one point in time that apparently like they weren't going to talk about rule changes, which the DH didn't count for some reason. It still looks like that's possible, probable that it's going to come. Um, but there were some other things, I guess some of the stuff that they have tried in the, the minor leagues weren't going to be on the table as a negotiating thing. We'll see if that stays, if that comes back and goes. Uh, I think that's what a lot of people thought, right? That, you know, we knew that the financial part was the biggest part of this, but that some of those, you know, 
maybe even things like the three better minimum or or the dh or you know pitch clocks or whatever the case may be might be on the table for negotiation as well and at least as of what something i read about about a month ago now so that may be very dated uh it sounded like they were not doing that which is a a bit of a surprise and probably a bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's those that what you just said is almost disappointing because you're just like, will nothing positive come out of this that we see on the field, you know, of all the things that we feel like maybe a, a, a a point of frustration, you know, all the way around is are those things basically is couldn't they be discussing some of that middle ground now? Knowing that the meat yeah. and potatoes of this uh, of this argument is going to be money and years and stuff like that, I mean, that's it, to me, it seems like low hanging fruit that that can be taken care of. But I guess they they need to take care of the biggest problem before they you know do the rest of it, which kind of seems counterproductive to me. Yeah, I think that in some regard, you you work on the big. I can see you know, there's a theory of work on the big stuff, and if you get that done, then you could probably zip through the other stuff yeah. because people, it's not better. But I also think there's a very good idea of, you know, build up some goodwill by talking about the smaller stuff. And then maybe you're in a better mood to talk about the bigger stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that it's one of those there that <laughs> I know we have the figureheads for both groups, but the attorney groups behind there, I'm sure are probably pretty shrewd. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? I mean, and it is very interesting though. And you're right. I think it's really more on the lawyers and the yeah. and the people that are dealing with this. But you're looking at it. Uh, uh, if you look at it on paper, it's a, it should be a mismatch, right? I mean, you got Rob Manfred, who's done this negotiating before he was commissioner. I mean, yeah. that's how he got to be commissioner. Versus Tony Clark, who, for all his you know positive attributes, was a former player. I mean, he yeah. doesn't necessarily have the background. He's been on that side of things, but. Um, you know, granted, that's really it's all about the, the lawyers that are around that, but um, it's interesting to to look at those dynamics. The, the athletic article, I, w- I should have pulled it up beforehand. We were talking about stuff, and I, I didn't I didn't prep very well. Let's put it that way. The uh, the athletic article highlighting the guy that will lead the uh, the uh, argument for the union was a very good piece. And uh, that that was one that made me think that they're they're pretty much dug in. And this is going to be a, we need to get, we need to win this negotiation more than we have in the previous three or four, more than anything. And that was pretty interesting because that like, you know, like I said, I, I would be willing to lose games if, if some of the things, especially the arbitration years and things like that don't, are, if they, those change, I would be willing to miss some games for it. And I'm, I hope that, those are some of the bigger thing, bigger objects that that they're that they're choosing to do. Yeah, it's um, it's really going to be interesting. And again, it's this time of year; things are going to be quiet anyway. Yeah. But, um, you know, and this article here um, from Evan Rillich on the, says they're not likely to talk about it till till January, and that was a couple weeks ago, which is not surprising. Yeah. No. Nobody's going to start a negotiation around Christmas. I mean, that's just not going to happen. So I don't know. Um, you know, it seems to me, you know, reading some of these articles that they're arguing about who, you know, who's supposed to be making the proposals. You know, they're, they're, they're a little bit more concerned about, you know, who's doing what than what they're supposed to be talking about as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it's funny because it's how much, what do we miss? You know what I mean? That it's, it's how that's always what's fascinating to me in negotiations like this of, uh, you know, what actually, what's going on? You know, is there a team in the room? Are they on every zoom right now trying to figure out, you know, what direction they're going to go on this? Or is there a, there, is there a meetings minutes that said, this is exactly what we're going to go after. And that you were not budging on whatnot, you know, and is there a group of a hundred people that are negotiating it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't either. It'd be very interesting. I know uh, 
Craig Edwards, who used to be the site manager at Viva Alberto's, of course, he went over to Fangraphs and then left Fangraphs and now works for the Players Union, you know, yeah. doing the, the analytics and things of that nature for them. So I know, you know, Craig knows what's going on, I guess, but uh, being that he hasn't tweeted since he jacked that job, I think it's fairly safe to say he's not going to tell us uh, what, what might be happening. Um, but yeah, uh, it's just, you know, and right now it's fairly easy, I think, for all of us to put it aside. I know that there are other sports that people can pay attention to. There's, you know, you know, holidays and things like that. But, you know, when it rolls around to mid-January in winter, and, and that's the thing, winter warm-up is what is that is the Martin Luther King holiday. So that's like kind of early this year, right? Isn't it like the 15th or so, like something of that nature? Oh, um, sure. uh, let's see. It should be, I think it's the 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th of January. Wow. That, yeah. that time period. So that's, you know, that's just, well, that's two weeks, two weeks from Friday, I think would be when winter warm up is supposed to start. Now, let me, as I, I don't want to talk about that, but I'm going to be wrong probably, but it's usually around that time. Um, as far as we know, right, they're still having this thing, even though, you know, no players. Yeah, 15th through the 17th. So, yeah, it's the, oh, be two weeks from Saturday. Um, that They're still doing it. They're still selling tickets. They're still doing all this stuff. But, you know, unless something changes, no, no current player can go. Yeah. I don't know if people like Ozzy Smith or – well, I mean, it has to be somebody outside of baseball. So, like, you know, Ozzy, who's employed by the team, so probably would be there if he's ever there. I don't know. I think a lot of his autograph stuff is, uh, you know, pre-signed. Um, you know, other people, you know, Ollie Marmol will be there, you know. But, you know, maybe some retired people like, you know, some of those of the, of the 80s and 90s teams that are retired now. But even then, do they come or do they stay away in solidarity with the uh, current yeah. thing? That, and if so, what happens to what happens to win a warm-up? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And that's something I hadn't really thought about. Of uh, You know, I knew that they made the big, uh, you know, the announcement. Did it, it moved down to the stadium, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be in the stadium. That's what I thought. And then uh, I remember that and, and I kind of put it out of – out of sight, out of mind type situation because of, I felt like any player, any especially any closely associated player or recently, you know, retired yeah. guy would have a hard time going, you know. And I may be surprised. I don't know. There may the Cardinals may cut checks to a lot of those guys that they feel obligated that they have to go. But but you're right. I mean, it's it's. I don't know how much of that's a stepping on toes or you know crossing uh, picket line type situations, but that but that I that's incredibly interesting and things that I hadn't thought about. Yeah, and I know by now they would have had a list out of you know this is this is what autographs are going for you know because there's there's levels you know you buy twenty dollar ticket to get Harrison Bader's or you can get um, you know probably Stephen Matz for. $10 or, you know, stuff like that. And they usually have that listed out and this, it hasn't been out there yet, which is not surprising. I saw on Twitter, you take it with the hooded grain of salt. Cause it's one of those accounts that, um, tends to at least pretend that they have sources. And I don't, I don't want to judge on them because sometimes it seems to be right. And sometimes I don't know. But anyway, that account said something of the fact that they would be canceling when a warm up, you know, like the second or third to go ahead and cancel it. I, you know, I don't know if that's true, um, but I could easily see that, which would be disappointing. I mean, um, I guess they did it, what, they did it virtually last year, yeah. right? Yep. Um, but I'm sure, and I'm sure that raised some money. I don't know if it raised the money that they're used to, because this isn't for them. I mean, this is the, for Cardinal Scare, um, the, the charity that they have. So it's not like they're, you know, raising money to make payroll or anything, but um, I doubt it raised quite as much last year um and you know if they don't have it this year you know that's a that's a big deal i would think um so I, it's gonna be very interesting to see how things like that go um and you know i think if it does come out like early next week that they cancel that then i think it's a pretty good indication that you know, we're not getting anywhere anytime soon at least yeah yeah probably so that that will be uh Interesting to see if that if the yeah. trigger is pulled on that. Um, 
Yeah, and I had it's it's funny the 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 ramifications coming off the pandemic or the pandemic, considering we're still in it. I don't know, you know the uh, um, the lost season of of twenty and the the makeup money and you know stuff like that. It's kind of an odd time, you know, for this to be happening. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that if ownership and players had their pick, this would not have been the year they'd want to have the CPA expire. Sure. Um, just because, hey, you know, they didn't make a lot of, you know, they lost out on some money last year because studi- um, stadiums weren't at full capacity. And then, of course, completely, almost completely lost the season two years ago. Um, they can't afford to, and maybe that's good. Maybe that's, you know, going to force the owners to the table because they really can't afford to miss much more of a season this year. Yeah. You know, you can hope for that, but I'm sure they'd rather have not had those kind of cash flow issues going into this. And players is too, because, you know, players didn't make as much a couple of years ago and salaries have been down, but, um, so it is, it's going to be interesting. Now, again, right now, baseball just hasn't been, it's not their fault. I don't think again, but it's just kind of out of mind, right? I mean, have have you really dwelt on it much over the last you know, two or three weeks? Besides the fact that you're, you know, working on it at the at the high school level. Yeah, well, just the headlines. I mean, that's about it. I mean, it was funny until the uh, the break. I hadn't caught up on a lot of my radio shows or anything like that, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was one that you just knew. I mean, it was kind of an it was it was going to get ad nauseum very quickly you know, about the, the things that we heard. And, and some people have kept it pretty I've, – I've heard some pretty good good stuff this week, you know, that's kind of uh, not even necessarily about that. I mean, whenever the uh, – uh, whenever things get back to normal, this is this is where uh, this is where things go. But, but no, to, back to your question, I mean, not really. I mean, it's – and it's – I was thinking about that. I mean, this is uh, – of course, the life change for me is added to it. But as far as, as – Big league ball. This is the uh, the only time that I've really, I don't know, many times that I've paid less attention than what I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it just it, for me, it feels like it's been you know forever ago. Yeah, um, since since there's been games on, and you know, again, the winner gets that way, but yeah, um, it's a little bit different. I agree. Now, different. you know what? I mean, before we redirect, just mm-hmm. not a lot of deep thought. You know, it, it's one of those. But what what are some of the things that you kind of want to see come out of this? Um, well, the biggest thing I think I want to see is a long deal. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, I'd like to see like a 10 year deal so that we don't have to try to do this again in two or three years. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see them figure out something that more closely matches production to revenue or uh, payment. I mean, I, it, it, it can't be just, you know let a guy be a free agent at the end of the first year or second year or sure. whatever the case may be. And I don't know that arbitration is quite enough, although it has helped players immensely for sure. Um, I don't know what that is. I mean, that age idea that they put out there didn't make a lot of sense yeah. just because, you know, if a guy comes up at 18, you know, and you get to keep him till you're 29, then that's, that's not right. You know, um, but there's got to be something that gets a little bit more of the money toward players while they're actually producing it. But, yeah. and, and hopefully if you do that, hopefully that will then shift so that, okay, you got paid when you were young. Now you're older. You're not going to produce as much. We don't have this need to pay you as much. And maybe those, those 34, 35 year olds get priced back into the market. So people will actually take a flyer on them versus, you know, your career being like over at 34 a lot of times. Yeah. And it, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, the middle man right now is getting pushed out the most mm-hmm. and that's the, you know, the middling player. And that's not, that's a terrible word to say. I just meant basically, you know, you're either arbitration or your top dollar. And it, other than that, you may not have a shot, you know, one of right. those type of situations. So I, I agree with you on that. Um, the, uh, that is the big one for me. I hope they, they figure out the arbitration figures to, to, and I'm all about shortening them um, for that very reason. Now, it's also one of those, there's hidden factors in a lot of those things that, that I'm, I'm certain that I don't see that, that, that I would like to know more about. Um, 
the, the thing is right now, the owners looks like the cash cow. And I'm all about running the business the way that you want to run your business. But I, I, it, it, you do feel like these guys that get just past arbitration figures have been left out to dry unless they were the yeah. stars. And, and that's, that's, tough to, that's tough to rationalize. I understand the money that they're making puts them in a different stratosphere, but it's still the labor market. And mm-hmm. it's just it, – it's tough to justify. Yeah. Yeah, I would – I think this is what everybody, you know, would like to see a little bit more of that because – and I'd like to see that they can figure out a way not to juggle those clocks, right? You know, yeah, Chris yeah, exactly. But, and, and again, I, go ahead. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I, this is a great conversation because then it leads into I, – I want to – I want there to be – I want there to be some some – pretty strict rules about the ongoing tanking, mm. you know, stuff yeah. like that. And hopefully you can wrap that. You could, that can be an all inclusive type situation, but I'm not really sure that they can do that. I don't know. I think, I think the best, I think the best way they can do that is some of the stuff that I have seen about the, like the first pick of the draft is the team that missed, just missed the playoffs. You know, that kind yeah. of stuff where, you know, and you work your way down then so that the team that was, you know, worst is really getting a, a middle round pick and then you get the yeah. playoff team. Something like that where you've got some incentive to at least try because at worst case, you know, look, okay, it's worst case, you know, I make the playoffs or I'm, you know, upper, you know, I get to draft yeah. early, which means I'm probably making the playoffs maybe next year or the year after. Um, but you know, again, you also wonder about a team that can a team ever build out of uh, of it if they're not getting a top draft pick, right? I mean, that's the idea of the draft yeah. is this team has really been bad. They need the most help. I don't think anybody ever expected teams to deliberately be bad to get that help. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's it's tough. Yeah, I, and that that goes into some of those hidden problems because some of the. I agree with all that. I wish there there needs to be incentive in in some way that they do those things. Because when you look at say the pirates, and they're the easy one to pick on right now, but right. if you look at the pirates organization after the you know after the World Series, man, how many seasons winning seasons have they had in thirty some years? Right. You know what I mean? And you're just like, you know, that, that points to a, a plethora of, of issues, you right. know, from ownership to management to both, to a lot of things. So I don't know. I mean, it, what what helps that? I mean, is it, uh, you know, you don't want to see a team leave Pittsburgh. I mean, they've, they've been there forever and you want it to stay. But, but how can those teams be incentivized? You know, and it's, those are questions that I have. I mean, I am, I'm a big proponent in the in the um, expanded playoffs, what I don't like is the number one reason that people don't want is because they don't feel like the owners will try. And right. that, that's what I can't stand about it. You know, I'm just like, yeah. I, you know, that that I the the fact that that's the number one argument against it is is almost criminal. Yeah, I mean, well, it's at least one of the main arguments. The other one is, I think. One I would go with, although I think that's also very true. The the argument I would put in is that you want 162 to mean something, and you do. So, you know, the more teams that get in, the more likely you get those 81, 82 teams in there, and then they get that run. And but that's the I don't know. I, yeah. I know, but I mean, it, it can get into a lot of it. But the uh, randomness yeah. of the playoffs to me is what means about any playoff is what means so much. So that doesn't bother me as much. And in, in other I don't words, but yeah, yeah. I think we don't mind the randomness as much. I just don't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a team. You hate to see a team that doesn't feel like it should actually be there win. you know what I'm saying? And I get, we get the whole 2006 Cardinals and that's a di- totally different argument because they were a better team than the record showed. Yeah. Um, but you know, if a team that won, I mean, cause it, I mean, it, in theory, some of these divisions, depending on how you do the playoffs, the team won 79 games and made the playoffs and then, you know, won the whole thing. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I think there's a lot of, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm also, and it's 
When I say expanded playoffs, I also think there needs to be some sort of realignment type situation. And if that means going National League, American League, you know, that 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 could be pretty interesting too. You know what I mean? Instead of maybe doing away divisions. Allen doesn't have a traditional bone in his body, I think, sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I'm not picking any. I, I, you, you and I come at it a lot differently because you know I'm like I want to have, you know those 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 you know National League. If they've been in the National League. They should be in the National League. And, yeah. And well, I no, and I didn't, I didn't mean it like cross like cross yeah. seating. I didn't mean it like that. I meant more of a of is there a benefit to maybe going back to the two? I don't know. Maybe the the two division format. Instead of a four, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. I didn't yeah. mean like, okay. I yeah, I, I didn't mean you. like the top sixteen teams or anything like that. I get you. I get you. Um, yeah, I mean that's that would be interesting. Or you know, I'm. I wouldn't want. I would rather at times. I have argued. I would rather have four four team divisions. Yeah. And the winner just winner take you know those four teams that win go. Yeah. Um, and you know that's at least you're still having to win your division. You know, wild card has always been a situation I've never cared for, just because. I mean, yeah, sometimes it it works out for some other team, like the Dodgers this year. You know, won enough games they should have won any other year. They didn't because the Giants won more. But you know, I still don't much care for that. You yeah, know? and I really don't really care for two of them. Yeah. Um, to go back a little bit on the tanking, though, I think you're you you make an interesting point, and I think we look at at least I do. I look at teams like Pittsburgh and Kansas City differently than I look at Chicago and Houston. Yeah. Because maybe it's not, maybe it shouldn't be because they're really going out some way. And you can argue that Kansas City and Pittsburgh didn't necessarily capitalize to the extent of their market value. They use that small market excuse to sell off players. But, you know, it's also one of those things that it was a perpetual cycle. Whereas the Cubs could have at any time put together a good team, right? And they had the resources, they had the ability to do that, and they obviously didn't, particular just so they could get draft picks. So Houston the same way. Um, I think that that to me is more offensive maybe than a team that can't ever get out of the cycle. And you can argue about why they should. You know, I get they should be able, to, they should be able to, but um, for a team to deliberately put themselves into that situation of we're going to be bad versus. Hey, we're just trying to get out of that situation. We've got some things stacked against us, and we're trying to get out of it, and maybe not trying as hard as I should. Um, I, that to me, in, in my mind, that's two different things. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, completely. And it's one of those. It's funny, right? When you said Kansas City, I was like, you know, I didn't. Kansas City is probably in the exact same boat that um, that Pittsburgh is in as far as years and how many years mm-hmm. they've actually won in the last 30. But with right. recency bias, you kind of think that yeah, maybe they've had a better run. And, you know, they, they're probably, what, five to six years advanced from where Pittsburgh was, which is not a great amount of time. So, honestly, you're, you're exactly right. They, you could probably put, lump them in the same boat. And I agree with you. I mean, uh, on, especially on the Cubs type deal. You know, they did their complete organizational rebuild, bring in Madden, win a World Series, and had it, have a team that could, should probably stick around for a little while. You build on that. You sign the guys. And we saw how that went last year. I mean, they essentially right. are going into another rebuild. I mean, we hear the Correa rumors, but, I mean, do we think that happens? Or is that just is that just the, the – is that the smoke that we're hearing baseball-wise right mm-hmm. now because there's not anything else? So you're right. I mean, that's one of those where the fans of Chicago don't necessarily deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think but that, they'll come regardless, you know, so well, they're sure. kind of their own worst enemy. Sure. I mean, they're in, and even if they don't, the market, you know, the, the, uh, TV revenue and all that kind of stuff is, is huge and all that, all that. And, and I understand wanting to put together a team that can be a sustainable team. I've always felt like, Kansas City, what we talked about, and that's kind of what happened in, in 2015. They needed to have three or four stars hit at the same time yeah. and be good at the same time for them to be winning. Because that was their problem. You know, they'd get a, a Carlos Beltran and he would be good and they could maybe push a little bit. But by the time, you know, he would come to free agency and leave or yeah. they need to train him beforehand. And they didn't necessarily have three or four with him to like go for it. Um, Pittsburgh's done the same thing. Pittsburgh's had, you know, had Andrew McCutcheon, but they didn't have anything to go with him. Yeah. And that's some of that's to not being a smart front office, not being able to, 
draft well, not being able to develop. I, you know, there's a lot of different things. And some of that, there's nothing you can do to fix, right? Except for getting new people in there. And that's what some of these teams done. You know, they've gotten into the analytics and things like that. But, um, but yeah, the teams like the Houston's and like Chicago um, that, you know, just, hey, these guys are free agents. We're going to sell off and we're going to start this all over again without this idea of, of trying to sustain it. It's uh, less than ideal. Um, any more on that before we shift topics? No, go right ahead. Yeah, it's it's fun to talk about, but we'll just, yeah. you know. We'll have time. I'm exactly. sure. We'll have some, <laughs> exactly. Hopefully have some guests here coming up soon. We'll have some, some different perspectives on, on some of these things. Um, I want to talk about, since we have joined up last, um, Hall of Fame ballots have started to come out. Right, people are voting. We're seeing what these owner, what these people are doing. I, I want to talk about. Obviously, I want to talk about one in particular here in a minute. Um, but before I get to that one, I do want to talk about these people. Like there have been two different guys, I think, that have voted for nobody over the last two years. Yeah. There's, and I think the year before that, at least one of those just just voted for Derek Jeter. Um, I, I, I get the idea of not voting. I know that Derek Gould has talked about, Hey, you don't want to vote. Don't send your ballot in because it, that counts as a ballot, you know, it yeah. counts as a blank ballot and it, it makes it harder for anybody else to win. Um, but if you can't find on a, not maybe not as loaded, but still good ballot, at least one player to vote for over two years. Why do you even have a ballot? That's yeah. in my mind. Yeah. Like, that, that's ridiculous. No, I agree. I agree. And it, that I will say this, I have become so numb to the Hall of Fame stuff for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, something needs to change. If you remember when we had Ryan Fagan on last year, a Hall of Fame voter, yep. I asked him, I said, is there any benefit to a, not less necessarily a term limit, but a deal to where you could maybe vote three years, then you're off one or something like that to maybe combat some of this? a little bit and he didn't see any benefit to it and there may not be any, but I kind of wish that they would adjust some rules for, from this happening because it makes it seem very phony to me. Um, it, 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 I don't know. It's just a a black eye to the writers all all around when it happens. And I know it's a small number of people to do it, but it just makes it so, I don't know, almost boring and meaningless to me. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know the uh, the push for transparency was to try to maybe make sure this doesn't happen, but I think it's almost backfired to some degree that some of these guys are like, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm I'm fine with the hate, you know, I'm fine with the backlash because people are gonna see my stuff, and I'm gonna, you know, and I, I don't know how much it's, you know, a lot of people talk about them wanting to be self serving, but and I don't know how much of that is, but it's got to be at least some of it, right? I mean, it's got to be some of this because you know you can mail that ballot in quietly if you wanted to but you're going out posting it. You want people to know I didn't vote for anybody. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and you're willing to, you know, take on whoever comes after you. I just, I don't know how you defend that, honestly, um, without it just being an attention seeking type. Of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that was the first thing that came to mind to me. Yeah. Now I have been tinkering and I'm, I may, I hope sometime to write this post cause I want to really think about it and I haven't really done it much. I also would like maybe your opinion does the hall of fame even matter? Um, you know, Roger Clemens probably not going to get in the hall of fame. I mean, maybe we don't know yet. Right. Yeah. But is there any baseball fan in 40 years that learn? I mean, that won't know Roger Clemens. Yeah. Even though he's not in the hall of fame, even, you know, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the, we do so much research. We do so much scholarship. There's so many books. If you want, you know, if you want to know about the history of the, of the game, I mean, the hall of fame is a great honor for these guys, but if you're talking about telling the story of baseball, I just don't know that it matters as much. No, I agree. I completely agree with you on that. And that's uh, and that's one of those to where I am no, I am not pro Barry Bonds in, in any way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not pro Barry Bonds because he was a jerk. You know, what I mean? and and, right, and right. that's terrible. That's the that's the, the that's the worst way to look at it. But he was a Hall of Famer before all the home runs, and that's what I think. That's what I don't like about the whole situation. Um, e sixty did a great story on him. 
and it, with it going into the uh, into the, the last year of his candidacy, of how he's not going to make it just because of you know the, no he didn't he didn't fail the test, but it you know his his closed door uh, testimony that was leaked. You know, it's 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 just a, it's a whole joke, and that whole era was terrible for those kind of reasons because that in the Clemens was just a spectacle of embarrassment, essentially. Right. But the thing is, is it, it's I just can't stand that you can't look back on the on his years in Pittsburgh and early years in San Francisco before '98 and say he was probably the best player in the game, not named Griffey or right there with him, and. You know, just because his plaque's not on the wall in New York, that it's going to be downplayed a little bit. You know, that's it. I agree. I think that the transparency has led led to a lot of apathy to, to the Hall of Fame, and I'm completely guilty of that. Yeah, I. You know, again, it's obviously this means something. I mean, and there are people that get mentioned. You know, but you're talking about the 1900s that get mentioned because they were in the Hall of Fame and not necessarily about, you know, people saw what they did or write about what they did. But even then, I think we can, you can hear about stories, especially if you're following a team, you're going to know names and players that aren't in the Hall of Fame, even from that time period. It, more, much more so in this day and age where, you know, you <laughs> when it's not a lockout, you could pull up video f- clips and, yeah. and things of that nature. I mean, people are going to see Scott Rowland and see video of him making amazing plays and all that kind of stuff. And anytime a third baseman discussion comes up, he's going to be mentioned, even if he doesn't make the Hall of Fame. I want him to. I want him to get in there. But I just don't know for the historical purpose of things if it if it really matters, if this is just one of those tempests in a teapot. Now, saying that, saying how much we're not sure how much this thing matters, Mark Saxon put out his... Hall of Fame ballot a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago, I guess. I don't remember exactly when, let me see. I've got this up here. Let's see. Uh, this was December 14th. So right at two weeks ago today. And people lost their minds. And I think rightly so. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked to Mark a number of times. We've always had a good relationship with Mark and I, I, I like what he does. But it's hard not to see a guy in the St. Louis market, especially take off Scott Rowland when he has plenty of spots left. I mean, he could have voted for Scott and still had voted for somebody else. Have Omar Vizquel as one of the guys he votes for and not know what kind of reaction he's going to get out of that. (laughs) Yeah. I complete transparency here. I was really late to the party on that. Um, I, I, I had seen it. Honestly, I had overlooked completely his ballot and not because of who was on it. So it took me a little bit to follow the trail to see what actually went on because I saw a lot of the hate toward Saxon and I was like, well, what the heck happened? You know what I mean? And then you, I kept felt like, you know, he's not with the athletic anymore. So some of these shots were, were taken that they probably didn't when he was there. Um, and they were pretty justified and I felt like it was pretty defensive. I feel like there's a groundswell right now in St. Louis to get rolling in the, the hall of fame. So I feel like that put a bigger target on Saxon when he did it. And, you know, it, it was surprising to me, disappointing to me, to be honest with you. Yeah. It, it's really interesting. As I look at his ballot here, he voted for eight guys Four of which, five if you want to count David Ortiz, have steroid-related issues. Yeah. So that's not an issue for him. And that's fine. If you want to vote that way, understandable. Um, you know, I, I think you can make that case. I, I don't know that I would, but I think you can make that case. But, you know, again, the idea... I don't, I don't understand. I never have understood the Omar Vizquel love. Um, because I think people wanted to make him like Ozzy Smith when he wasn't as good of a fielder and he wasn't anywhere close to as good of a hitter. Yeah. Um, you know, Ozzy is a bit downgraded in, in what he could do because early years, yeah, he was not, but those last 
you know, from what, 85, 86, 87 on. I mean, 87, he hit 300. Um, you know, he, he, he wound up with a decent uh, batting line, I think, overall. But then, when you factor all that in, plus the personal issues that have come up over mm-hmm. the last little bit, I, I don't, I really don't know how you justify. I know he's talking about blacking. He really seemed to cherry pick a lot of things. And the fact that, you know, I, I, I just don't know that I agree with his, his rationale there, but that was just, and again, he's not the only person that's made a ballot like this, but being a guy that's in this market and, to not only not vote for Scott Rowland, but for to vote for Scott Rowland last year and then take him off the ballot this year, even when he's not using up his 10 spots. I mean, it is, it's really hard to see that it's anything more than a, I'm going to get some attention. Yeah. yeah. I hate to say that. No, I agree. I agree. And it's one of those that, you know, friend of the show, I, it's, it's yeah. kind of tough, but yeah, no, I agree. I, 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 I just I don't think there was a coincidence that that came out right before he announces the job he takes on the East Coast writing for a gambling website. Let's mm-hmm. yeah, let's put it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean it's yeah. that's the first thing that popped to mind. Yeah, and it, and that may have at least helped him in that regard. And again, I hate to disparage anybody that's doing this because I I really I'm sure that they at least feel like they have some justifications, and I don't really think that anybody sits there thinking. I want to make the internet mad. Um, but I mean, again, if you could have voted for Viscal and Scott Rowland and it's like, okay, why are you voting for Viscal? But okay, whatever. But then to, to take him off when you still have folks left, just, just doesn't make sense. And it wasn't a, and, you know, I think, I think people would have even made a, a, he's like, man, I messed up. I thought I had another, I thought I had 10 or I thought, you know, I thought I checked that box and I didn't, you know, something like that. But it was, I mean, he deliberately did that. And yeah, it's probably a good thing. He's not writing at the athletic anymore yeah. or, or on the, is he still on the radio at all? Uh, a little list? bit, but I, like I said, I haven't, I haven't heard him in, in whatever. And the only reason I actually say that is whenever I scroll through his uh, page just now to find that his uh, ballot. Mm-hmm. The, uh, it popped up that he had a few guest appearances on there in that amount of time. And well, one, yeah, yeah notable. And then, uh, the next one was on an ESPN market, New Jersey. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully it'll work out for him. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's, uh, probably a little bit telling as well. So. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Maybe somebody else put out a Hall of Fame ballot that uh, gets us all riled up. I don't think. I think Derek usually waits to like the day before to send his in, or you know, a couple of days before. Um. So, and I'm pretty sure he'll vote for Scar. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know what's? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it would have been a bad argument, but the one, the one thing I, one of the things I like about Gould is the fact that he's very thorough in his selections, oh, yeah. and we'll explain yeah. every one of them. Yeah, I mean, he's got. I mean, he'll show you pictures of the of the notepads and yeah, he's got yeah. all that stuff, and and you know, it's it's a it's worth it. I mean, I mean, if you're gonna, and then you know, if you, you can disagree with some ballots, but somebody can at least come around and, and make a, a good argument, then you you know can disagree, but go on from there. Yeah, um, I just you know, Saxon came around to make, and his explanation really didn't appease anybody, and. I will say he didn't necessarily carry himself well in some of the responses either. It didn't seem like the few that I saw um, blocking some people and things of that nature, but you know, yeah, that it was, yeah, the whole, the whole saga was kind of strange. You know what I mean? It was, I don't know. I was like, well, this is not like the person we knew. I don't don't know. Exactly. So, um, so we'll see. And again, hopefully, hopefully the new job at the, with the betting website will, will work out for him. So, um, before we wrap it up tonight and we, here we are, you know, our, didn't expect to necessarily talk a lot, a lot, but we're at a, almost an hour as well. I uh, we did want to look a little bit back at, um, 2021, you know, a lot of time in a number of years, 
um, the Cardinal bloggers have done a, um, you know, we did the Cardinal blogger awards and we had a ballot and, and all that. And we're not going to do that whole thing this year because that took take forever. Um, but just some, you know, a couple of maybe categories, for instance, I mean, if you had to name a team MVP from this year, who would you go with? Oh man. I don't, you know what, even, even though you asked me beforehand, I kind of wasn't, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my gut tells me Goldschmidt. Yeah. Um, this, just because I felt like he had a fantastic year and it, you know, I don't know that, 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 that was the name that popped up when we had talked about it a little bit earlier. My initial thought and, and looking right now, I, I feel a little bit better about it. Not just being completely out of, out of whack. My initial thought was actually Tyler O'Neill. Um, yeah, that's true. And, I mean, and, and Tyler O'Neill, you know, he, he tied for the league, the, the team lead in home runs, and he led the league, led the team at OPS plus. Um, you know, he played Gold Glove defense. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think you're right. Goldschmidt's a, I mean, Goldschmidt carried this team at times for sure. Um, I don't think you could argue that at all. Uh, I think you, you know, both of those guys are yeah. right there in consideration. No, completely uh, agree. I mean, completely agree. Yeah. And I, you know, and I'm guilty of thinking it was it was Arnado or or Goldschmidt, and not just because mm-hmm. you know I wanted to go with chalk, but I just I was more impressed with Arnado than I could imagine I was going to be defensively. Yeah, I, it just blew me away. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, I know early on it was rough, and I think he was getting adjusted to new positioning, new ballparks, new everything. You know, a lot of new stuff. But when he was on, he was on a lot. Yeah. Um, he just made plays that it, you didn't have any idea that he could make. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was, that's what really surprised me was the, uh, you, you know, you would see what we would consider a good third baseman that wouldn't be, you know, a tenth of what Arnauto was, especially on the throwing aspect. That was the one that really, really surprised me. You know, some of the throws that he would make and, would have the 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 guts to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was really really impressed. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know how many times he got the runner at second. No, it's it. unreal. That's the one. That's yeah. what stood out the most to me as well. Yeah, I mean, and there was those play. I mean, he had some plays at home. I mean, and then just the you know running three miles to catch a ball and yeah. stuff like that. So you're, you're right. I agree. I I've been a, a big Arnado fan for a long time, and I really wanted him in St. Louis. But getting to watch him every day, I think, is what you, you really got a full appreciation of what that defense was. I mean, the, offensively, he was great. I think there were times where he tried to press a little bit too much, wanted to do a little much because of situations and stuff of that nature. Um, but he was also a guy that, you know, you could tell really wanted to win. And it brought a little bit of fire to that clubhouse that that maybe it needed as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. And that's uh... – he's a winning player. You know, it's tough to say that, especially after Colorado, but man, it's, he's fun to watch and a blessing to have. Absolutely. You know, but you're right on O'Neill. I feel like I need to throw that in. That was well above expectations for me. Yeah. And I mean, if you're going a surprise player of the year, you might go with O'Neill. I I don't know though. A surprise player. I think you probably, I would go with Harrison Bader. Yeah. Probably there. Because he struggled to start with, but when he, you know, that second half, especially, I mean, he had his ups and downs, but he had highs that I don't think we ever expected him to be able to do on a regular basis. Um, you know, I think we've kind of had this idea, and and I think it's fair in, in that he was kind of this, you know, fourth outfielder type, but he showed that, you know, he could easily be a starting center fielder for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the most upbeat thing that you take away from the season is you feel like this outfield is now pretty pretty well positioned to succeed. Um, yeah. You know, it could be a year late for O'Neill in the fact that they may have a hard time wrapping him up <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you better late than never because I would take advantage of the years that you have with them at this point because – it looks to be super athletic, and and you got you have to think that Carlson only improves. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You like that. I mean, you don't like it if you're Lars Newtbar. Yeah, um, yeah. You don't like it if you're any of the other prospects coming up, or 
a free agent that was hoping to to land in St. Louis. But you know, if you're a Cardinal fan, you gotta you gotta like that. Um, I would say Team Cy Young, yeah. but I don't. I mean, I don't think it's. A, I guess. Yeah. I guess the. I mean, it's pretty obvious in the starters. I mean, it's Adam Wainwright. Yeah. And I think it probably is anyway. I guess the only other guy that would even make an argument might be Giovanni Guy. That's the only other name I would have thought of. Yeah. Um, and it's a pretty impressive when you fact that, you know, Jack Flaherty's still on this team, but injuries will do that to you. Yeah. Um, but to see Adam Wainwright, I, I don't, I don't think, I, I mean, we saw a good Adam Wainwright last year, but I know you and I talked about it. It was kind of that idea of, of, okay, well, but it was a short season and he could go out there. He was, he was, you know, more rested. It was, you know, just August, just a couple of months, you know, how's he going to be able to, to do that for a whole year? And he was even better. At least some of the numbers were for sure. I mean, there were some, you know, some things you kind of wonder about, but overall he was really effective. And I mean, he got Cy Young votes. I mean, nobody would have seen Cy Young votes coming from Adam Wainwright you know, in the year he turns 40. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's uh, um, and I, you and I were in, in agreement on that. It was one of those situations where you felt like, well, you had, you didn't really have much to lose in the uh, sixty game season, and it, it was one of those. I remember having the conversation before the season started, like, how much can you count on Wainwright? And not only did you count on him as your best pitcher, he was one of the better pitchers in the league, which is such a testament to him. Um, and yeah, it, it's just tough. I mean, it, it, it would be all, it would be basically impossible to vote for anybody else at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gallegos, I mean, I think it's pretty clear Gallegos going to be the closer next year. Right. I mean, there's, I mean, we could argue how, how I'm sure we will try to figure out this role that Alex Reyes is going to have, but Gallegos has been, he's been one of those rare relievers that's been good for quite some yeah. time now. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, that's one of those. That's why we even talk about uh, um, going in the market and getting the, these guys because there's so much fluctuation in relievers. You know, it's one or two years, and then you're down. You're due for a down year, and and uh, he has some sustainability. I mean, and and it's it's been it's been awesome to watch because they've needed it so badly. Yeah, it, it's and his strikeout numbers have stayed high. That's what's amazing about it. So, yeah, I mean, definitely the bullpen MVP. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And then to, hopefully we'll see a, the same type of thing next year. Yeah. Um, if you were to pick a disappointment for this year, hitter or pitcher, um, where, where would you go on that? Gosh, I was trying to think of – it immediately goes to the rotation – Gut reaction goes to the rotation, um, but a lot of those are injury. You know, it's one of those to where you lost a lot of faith in Michaelis, but then you realize we probably I may have expected too much out of him just because he's coming off the injury. You know, the Flaherty injury, I don't consider that a, it, it's unfortunate, but not a disappointment. Right. Um, all those, all things considered, as much as I hate to say it, the. Uh, the failed bounce back at DeYoung is probably has me the most concerned. It was probably the biggest disappointment. I felt like he would probably be about a league average player this year. Yeah. And uh, kind of build on a down year last year that we knew that he had COVID probably battled some issues with it. Um, yeah. It, it's tough for me to say, but it's probably DeYoung. He yeah. did lose his starting spot too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the thing is never would have expected going into this year that he wouldn't be the, the starter of the playoffs or something like that. Yeah. You know I mean? It was like, he might not be a fourth place hitter or whatever the case may be, but he wasn't going to be that bad. And exactly. It, it, yeah. That's, that's probably the biggest disappointment for me. Um, the second, you know, the argument, I think other side of that, um, maybe a little bit on Johan Oviedo. Cause I thought he might, make a step up instead of a step back. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, that's a guy that, that really still needs a lot of time in the minors. Um, and I think, you know, the first half, but I think Alex Reyes is on that list, right? I mean, we thought we were going to see something. We, we keep waiting for that, you know, that prospect Alex Reyes. So I think we really kind of thought he'd make that step up and, 
even that first half where he was, you know, he was getting out of jams, but it was still like, you knew that the crash was coming. And then, you know, the second half, um, it was terrible. And I, I don't know that was more of a disappointment than the young, but it was probably in the ballpark. Yeah, it's tough as it is, and those are two of my favorite Cardinals. But yeah, I can't. Yeah. yeah, it's tough not to agree with you. I mean, the, and then what I don't like is the mystery of what he is going to be is just going to linger another year, you know, and that's mm-hmm. it, it, that's difficult. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, especially when they go out and sign Matts. I mean, that that rotation feels full, but they keep talking about him being a starter. But I can't see how he's going to be a starter but he's not going to be a closer. Is he going to be a guy that they trust to go two or three innings? How often does that happen? You know, I know there's been some talk about, you know, with guys like Matt's and, you know, with Flaherty still coming off of injury and, and Michaelis maybe not going deep that they'll need a guy to go the sixth, seventh and sixth, seventh, eighth or whatever. But is that Alex Reyes? I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. And maybe I, I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of things have to go right for Alex Reyes to get decent innings that way. Yeah. Oh, I, no, I completely agree. Um, yeah. Yeah, we can debate that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, it or, sucks. Or, yeah. Or it takes a lot of discipline mm-hmm. and you, uh, of, of Marmol and the front office and stuff to say, hey, Jack Flaherty's thrown five shutout innings, but we're going to bring in Alex Reyes here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're keeping Flaherty's innings down and we need to build up Reyes. And you could do that somewhat early going, I think. Um, a little bit more than you could, you know, July or August, especially if you're in a, in a race. So, um, any moment that stood out for you this year? I mean, of course, a 17 game winning streak, or a, there's a handful of you know great plays and, and great moments. Um, but it, does anything really, really stand out for you? Now, oh, man, it's so tough to take away from the 17 game. And then I was trying to think of some of uh, the wins in that that I thought may be a springboard and, and nothing really comes to mind. Um, and that's just my head being in a fog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Honestly, more than anything right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I think of, you know, you had Arnauto hit a home run. Um, home his, opener. His, yeah. Home opener. Um, you had the wild double play. I continue to think of those plays. Um, one against the Cubs. Um, one against the Mets, uh, and I think maybe the second one, maybe another. But you know, the runner on third, and nobody out or one out, and they're able to get the double play. You know that the runner doesn't score uh, against nobody out. Yeah, you know the one against the Mets where Sosa gets the the grab ball up the middle and tag second, and they get Rizzo running in a rundown. Yeah. Um, you know the play where yeah they hit it to Goldschmidt. I think it was against the Mets there. That, you know hit it to Goldschmidt, get the guy in the rundown. Um, you know, some of the, you know, really remarkable defensive plays that I don't feel like, you know, that kind of stood out to me, I guess, to some degree. Um, and that, that probably is the biggest thing. I don't know, like I said, Arnado's home run. Um, but I don't, I know, and you're right. It's, it's, it's been so long and the game's kind of run together. I don't remember a whole lot. Of, I don't, you know, I don't remember a walk-off homer or anything like that last year. I mean, there probably was one. I just can't think of it right no, now. I know. Um, okay, we're out of, uh, we're out of rhythm. Let's put it that yeah. way. <laughs> um, but, you know, the 17-game winning streak was just remarkable. I mean, just how they did it and to be able to come back at so many of those games. Um so that's, I mean, that's, this is the team that's always going to have done that. And that's going to be the, you know, that's always going to be the tie back probably for 21. Is that, is that, uh, is that winning streak and, and everything. And then of course, if you want to talk a tough story though, if it's not the Arenado trade, it's the firing shield. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that, that is one thing about the uh, Cardinal season. That's, that's incredible is, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy that a 17 game winning streak gets overshadowed by the, off-season firing of the manager of the yeah. year candidate. Yeah, that is, uh, it is pretty remarkable. So, um, all right, well, I want to go ahead and wrap this up in part because apparently my throat's about to give out. Oh, um, a little bit of a little bit of drainage working on me now and talk for an hour. That'll do it. But I do want to, before we wrap it up, this is been, 
Um, this is our 46th show of the the 2001 2021 season. Um, it is by far the season that we put out the most shows. Um, and it is also by far the season that we have been listened to the most. And we want to thank y'all for that. Um, we averaged before this show, we've averaged uh, 50 more listens than our next highest season, um, which is pretty remarkable. Good considering where we're at. Um, you know, the, the show that we had with, uh, Ben, uh, uh, Ben Godar and Ben Humphreys, uh, at the same time that Mike Schilt was fired, uh, is our highest downloaded show ever. Um, which is remarkable because the, the previous owner was back in the season one. So it had a, a record that had stood for a while. Um, you know, guys, we're just, we're really appreciative of y'all sticking with us and, and all the kind words that you've given to us over the year. Um, and we look forward to kicking off season eight here in a, in about a week or so. Um, Jeff Jones has already said he's going to just be that first guest like he has been the last couple of years. So we'll hopefully be back with him sometime soon. Alan, is there anything you want to say before we wrap it up? No, thank you to everyone. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, it's pretty impressive to have so many people in our lives virtually. And, and, uh, it's really awesome to have that, that support base. I, I really appreciate it. Um, and I, I speak, I hope I speak for Daniel on that as well. It's, it's impressive. Man, we've had some great friends off, uh, uh, doing this. It's, it's pretty cool. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, now that we're getting, uh, we've gotten more listeners, maybe it's time for us to, you know, do the merch thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> as much fundraising as I'm doing right now, I'm becoming a pro at it. So we, we can work <laughs> something out. It's true. But, uh, he's also got a, a few more irons of the fire. Maybe yeah. just to put one more. Anyway, um, Alan, I'll be with you. Like I said, it should be, uh, probably about another week. Um, we'll be here hopefully with Jeff Jones and we'll talk uh, a little bit more about lockout and a little bit, hopefully maybe we'll uh, have a little bit of news to talk about between now and then. Uh, but until then, happy new year from us and for Alan, I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night.